0: So to begin our message today, I want to ask you, how would you feel if Jesus suddenly appeared before us this morning? What do you think that he would say to us? So imagine that during the songs that we've just been singing, Jesus physically appeared right in the midst of us. What do you think he would say? Or if in a few minutes time, in the middle of my amazing message that's going to wow us all, Jesus appears Right here, in front of us, physically here. Or during communion, we're taking some time, we're reflecting. If Jesus suddenly appeared in front of us, what do you think he would say to us? Would he encourage us? Would he challenge us? Would he tell us what it is that we need to do next? I don't know about you, but it's certainly not something that I'm really expecting is going to happen. When I got up this morning, I didn't assume that Jesus was going to physically appear here, before us. I don't think many of us have that expectation. The challenge for us, because we're so familiar, many of us, with the Easter story, is to recognise that that's exactly the same experience that the disciples had on Easter Sunday as well. They had no expectations that they were going to see Jesus again either, and no idea about what it was that Jesus would say to them if he appeared to them. So we're going to take some time today to unpack what that looks like. So hopefully on your way in, you received a copy of our teaching notes. And so if you want to jot things down as we go through today's message, you can feel free to do that. And uh, if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to John chapter 20, uh, because that's where we're going to go in a few minutes. Before we open that up, though, I want us to think back about what has Transpired over the last little while. And once again, we need to suspend our understanding of the events of Easter Sunday in particular. So I want you to put yourself back in the shoes of one of the disciples, something that we've been doing for a number of weeks now. And to recognize what you've just seen Jesus, who's been arrested while you were in the garden together, taken to what in reality was a farce of a trial. Taken before Pilate, wrongly convicted, beaten, attacked, abused, mocked and ultimately hung on a cross. And then you have seen Jesus die. You have seen him breathe his last breath. You've seen him taken down from the cross and you've seen him laid in a tomb You've seen them roll this gigantic, massive stone in front of the opening so that there was no chance that anyone could get in there. And you've seen these two Roman soldiers who've been stationed as guards in front of the tomb. As we reflected on at our Good Friday service, if you're one of the disciples, those words that Jesus spoke, it is finished, are ringing very true for you. It's finished it's over, it's done, there is no more. All of your hopes, all of your dreams, all gone, all ruined. Everything that you were expecting, everything that you were hoping for, has disappeared. You make your way through Easter Saturday with a complete sense of darkness and emptiness and hopelessness. You have no sense of expectation, as many of us had yesterday, about being able to come and celebrate anything. It's over. And now you know that the religious rulers and the Romans are getting ready to make sure they stamp out this Jesus thing once and for all. Now that they have killed Jesus, they want to get rid of all of those who were saying the things that they were saying about Jesus. And you're one of them. And so you know that they're coming for you next That's where we pick things up today in John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. It's not a big surprise to us that that would be true, that they would have gone into a secret location and locked the door. Probably had someone stationed there and hope against hope that they're not found. They are terrified. All of the things that we unpacked through our last series, about the things that Jesus had said about the trials and the troubles that are about to come their way, the persecution that they're about to face, all of that has become very, very real for them. Now, in the midst of all of that, these strange things have happened today. A couple of the women who also followed Jesus had gone over to the tomb in the morning to finalise Jesus' body for burial and discovered that he wasn't there. They came back and said that they'd actually met Jesus and that they'd talked to Jesus. Peter and John have run over to the tomb as well and they've also seen that Jesus' body isn't there anymore. So there's a lot of confusion for you about what on earth all of that means. But probably your biggest suspicion is that the rumour that the religious leaders were about to start that someone had stolen the body. Your assumption is probably that that was the religious religious leaders or the Romans who had done that. Taken the body, done something with it, more pain, more hurt that you were now going to have to go through. But what if it's true that Jesus actually is alive? In some ways, there's a sense of excitement about that. But in some ways, there's a huge sense of fear about that as well. Because the last thing that the religious rulers and that the Romans would be looking for is a bunch of people wandering around saying, yeah, yeah, we know that you killed Jesus, but actually, he's alive again. They're not going to be excited about that whatsoever. You certainly don't want to stir up even more trouble than what you're already facing. And So imagine the feeling that was in this locked room that night. Confusion fear, disorientation, uncertainty. Imagine how that would have felt to be with the disciples. Well, then we read that suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. How would you react (laughs) if that happened? Jesus suddenly appears. In front of you. Now remember, the doors are locked. This is not Jesus has knocked on the door and someone's gone and opened him and welcomed him in. Just like that, Jesus has appeared in front of you. What would you be thinking? Certainly be shocked, surprised, rubbing your eyes. Is this like really? Is this, can, can this actually be Jesus? Can it really be true? And what does Jesus say? These profound words Peace be with you. This is the core of the message of Jesus, this word, peace. This beautiful word, Jewish word, shalom, that we've translated as peace. Shalom means life the way that it's supposed to be, life the way that God always created and designed it to be, living in a full relationship with God, a full, complete relationship with each other, a full and complete relationship with creation. Nothing between us, no barriers whatsoever. A deep sense of unity, a deep sense of joy, a deep sense of awe and a deep sense of wonder. All of that is wrapped up in this beautiful word shalom that we translate as peace. Jesus comes and says, may that be your experience in this moment. Now it's important to recognise that nothing at this point has actually changed about the circumstances that the disciples are in. They're still locked away inside of their room. The religious leaders and the Romans haven't changed their minds or their perspectives or their thoughts about what's about to unfold. The danger is very, very real to them, just as it was minutes ago. And yet Jesus comes and offers them peace, shalom, even in the midst of their circumstances even in the midst of the challenges that they're going through, even in the midst of their troubles, as we've focused on a lot over the last few weeks. It's beautiful reminder that peace is available to us, not because our circumstances all sort themselves out, but peace is available because of Jesus' presence. That's it. When we know that Jesus is with us, we get to experience peace. In verse 20, as Jesus spoke, He showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. This is a really important thing for us to recognise, that this is the body of Jesus. The resurrected, come back to life, actual, physical body of Jesus. This is not a ghost. This is not an apparition. This is not a hologram that's appeared in front of them. This is Jesus. Alive, real, resurrected. But it's important to recognise that Jesus still carries the wounds of the sacrifice that he's made. Jesus' resurrection doesn't mean that all of the pain that he's gone through is forgotten, is washed over, is glossed over. It's fascinating to recognise that those scars in Jesus' hands and his side are now forever a part of who Jesus is. He carries those scars with him in his resurrected body, in his victory as he moves forward. In the second half of verse 20, we read that the disciples were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And you can kind of imagine that that might be a mild understatement. They were filled with joy. Joy at being able to see Jesus again. Joy that everything isn't over and finished Joy that Jesus is alive. Joy that the things that Jesus said that seem so outrageous and hard to believe are actually true. Joy that you now get to spend more time with Jesus. If you were one of the disciples, you would be ecstatic about the reality that Jesus was here in front of you. And then in verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus says, may you experience shalom. But then he says, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. It's over to you now. It's your responsibility to take this message of peace and to tell other people about what's happened, to show and share the message of the kingdom, the message of peace, the life of peace with all of those that you meet and that you encounter. But you're not having to do that alone. Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit on them, the counsellor, the truth-bearer, the encourager, the convictor that we reflected on in our last series. We recognise that there's a far more profound experience of the Holy Spirit that's coming for them in a little while. But even in this moment, Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into them so that they're equipped to be able to do the work that he's got for them to do. So this weekend, we have been taking some time to reflect on these words, it is finished, that Jesus utters. And on Friday, we talked about how we can understand it as that sense of finality, it's finished, it's over, it's done. But also that it is finished can mean complete, it's accomplished, it's taken care of. It's paid in full. But what we recognise and celebrate today is that for the disciples, nothing was finished. In fact, this was just the beginning. Because Jesus has fulfilled everything that he said that he was going to do, now their real work begins. Now they get the privilege of being able to share the message of Jesus, being sent out. It isn't finished. It's just getting started for them. So that's the question for us to reflect on this Easter Sunday. As we reflect on everything that's happened, is our perception of what happened that it is something that's finished? These are events that were historical and they happened a very long time ago. Yes, we get to reflect on Jesus' death and his resurrection and the experiences that the disciples had, but that's it. It was these things that happened a long time ago and it's finished. Or is there actually something more to that? Do we recognise that because Jesus' work is finished, complete, enough, there is so much more for us as well? And to be able to reflect on this a little bit more, I wanted to share something that came across my email a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing for Easter I thought it was extremely helpful. It was the idea of a life arc. And the idea is that if we think about the culture around us, Our life arc generally looks a bit like this, that we're born, we're a toddler, then we're a child, we grow into a teenager, and then we kind of move into our 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe 50s, and somewhere around there we hit our peak. So if we're an athlete, somewhere in our late 20s, early 30s, that's our peak of fitness in our careers. We might think as we get into our 40s, 50s, that might be... our peak is in terms of having our lives together and having things under control somewhere around middle age there's a peak there and then our culture tells us that then there's this gradual decline that kicks in at that point until we make our way to the end of our life if we look at so many of the messages that we're told in our culture that's what the understanding is we're born we grow up we peak and then it's a gradual decline until the end As Jesus does so often, he flips this on its head. And we can recognise that actually Jesus' life curve might look upside down. Because we recognise that Jesus existed before time, in a full, complete relationship, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, before anything was created, before time even began. That Jesus was there at the beginning. That everything was created in Jesus and for Jesus, we're told. That's remarkable to think about who Jesus was before creation existed. But then Jesus does this staggering thing where he chooses to become one of us. Think about how limiting that is for Jesus. Downward curve as he takes on human flesh, becomes a little tiny baby, goes through all the experiences that we go through as a part of this broken world that we live in. And then for Jesus, as we've reflected on through this last week, His life is brutally ended. And the last parts of his life are so hard for us to navigate through and to recognise what Jesus experienced. In so many ways, Jesus' life curve kind of goes down and then bottoms out. But today we get to celebrate that that isn't the end of the curve. In actual fact, what happens at that point is that it picks up and it picks up rapidly. That Jesus comes back to life, fully resurrected, with a sense of victory and completeness having been one. And we know that that's true for eternity. That Jesus now exists as our risen king forever. That's amazing. The challenge for us is which of those life curves we generally tap into. Do we see ourselves as that first life curve where we kind of just life and then we've peaked or we're peaking or... We're feeling like we're on a bit of a decline, some of us feeling that more than others. Or do we recognise that we're far from finished? And no matter where we are in that first part of the curve, each one of us also, because of what Jesus has done and because of what we get to celebrate today, our life curve is far from finished. There is so much more for us. In fact, the very best is yet to come. So that's what I would love to do this morning is to give us an opportunity to reflect on that. As we gather this Easter Sunday, is it finished or not? What is your response to these amazing events that we've reflected on throughout this weekend? What is your response to Jesus being alive today? What is your expectation of your life curve? And what's your expectation as we move on from Easter into the weeks and months that are ahead. Is it finished or not? Take some time to reflect and we'll come back and pray and we'll transition across to communion. Jesus, today we are so grateful that we get together to celebrate you, to celebrate all that you have done for us. We thank you for your sacrifice and all that you were willing to go through on our behalf, but we thank you that that wasn't the end of the story. That today is about recognizing that you are alive, that you are here with us in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through, and you are here to offer us your peace to offer us shalom regardless of what's going on because you're with us we can experience that in our lives and we're so grateful for that we're grateful that in one way everything is finished everything is done there is nothing more that we need to add to what you have done for us you've opened the way for us to have a full and complete relationship with our heavenly father and we are so so grateful for that but we also recognize That in other ways, it's not finished. That you have work for us to do. That as we explore the reality of what it means, that you've done all of this for us. As we embrace the challenge that you have called us to be the people who are your peace bearers. The ones who go out into this world and share your message of peace and help people to encounter your message of peace. We are so grateful that you empower us through your Holy Spirit to be able to do that and that it's not finished, you have worked for us to do. And we're also grateful that wherever we are in our life's journey, that there is so much more to come, that our life is not about a gradual decline until the end, but there is so much more that you offer to us. And so our prayer as we head out into this week, as we head out into the rest of this year, is that we will be able to take all that we've reflected on through this weekend and we will be able to embrace This truth that you are with us, that you are for us and that you have work for us to do. In your name we pray. Amen.